Well, welcome in to um, another Edge podcast in lockdown. The, as I say every time, never-ending series that's happening at home uh, as we as we journey together, but not together. Uh, and today I'm joined by the wonderful Julia Grace from the Edge community. Hello, Julia. A never-ending story. That's oh, what a film. I'll try you, you know, all of that. Um, yes, so so we've been talking uh, over the last however many decades um, this year has been. Uh, we've been talking about holiness with a W, this idea of, uh, of, of our faith and spirituality is this invitation towards wholeness as a way of reframing holiness, which sometimes has been a term poorly used, I think, in the church. Um, and, and a core part of that sense of wholeness for us, of holiness, has been our relationality, the way that we're connected to God, to creation, uh, but also to others and to ourselves. And today with Julia, we're going to have a bit of a conversation. Really, probably, I think about that intersection of relationship with self and with others, uh, and some of the some of the challenges, in particular, in relation to mental wellness and mental health that pop up in that space. So, um, so Julia's joined me to have that conversation. Thank you, um, Julia. Do you want to just tell us a bit about kind of the work that you're doing in this space now to give us a bit of context? For sure. So I, I've come up with a tagline, be kind to your mind, because talking about mental health and mental wellness for me has a lot of it has been actually permission giving and actually giving kindness to myself. Um, one of the fundamental things that I have learned in my own mental health journey and experience is learning a bit of, about how my brain works allows me to give myself um, a bit of a break and give myself permission and to actually understand what's going on. I think, um, I don't know about you, we, we were brought up very much in the same context, but there was a lot of fighting your mind, mm. um, you know, casting down yes. <laughs> and a lot of, like, and capturing and, you know, like, and let, let all thoughts be make it. And I understand the concept, but it definitely, it created a feeling of there was a big fight between me and my mind mm. and it was almost separate from me. And so when something went wrong with my brain um, or it wasn't functioning as I would want it to do or be acceptable to do, immediately we were into a fight, mm. which ironically was the very worst thing to do because I was already in fight or flight mode. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so it creates this like quite a vicious thing where you're almost turning on yourself. And so feeling like, um, and then you add to that uh warfare and prayer you know like aggressive mm -hmm. um prayer and just like this real spiral um of extra layers as christian in our thinking that are like over and above what other people are thinking mm -hmm. so actually being a matter of almost just unwinding and taking off some of those layers and coming down to boiling that down to actually just being kind and going yes my brain does this oh that's normal. Yes, my brain does this. Ah, it's doing it again. You, you know, and actually just coming to terms with the fact that underneath it all, my brain's just trying to keep me alive. Yeah. <laughs> it's doing its very best. Yeah. <laughs> it's trying really hard. And the way it's reacting um, is not mysterious, hyper-spiritual or scary. Actually, mm. it's just really really normal. So my work, I'm a school teacher and an artist, so my work has just been combining those things into story, into metaphor, into easy to use fun language so that other people can just go, oh, it's not that bad. 
mm. <laughs> or it's not that awful. And that's kind of, and being able to put that out into businesses, um, into schools, talk to the children, and basically just giving them all the same kind of agreed language around their mental health um, that I use for mine. That's awesome. I think that idea of, of kind of kindness and compassion towards oneself, that, that sense of understand, understanding why we are responding in the ways that we are is so helpful. I know that in, yeah, in the last five to 10 years for myself, like that kind of framing has helped me wrestle with so much stuff that has been a battle for so long to be able to go, oh yeah, it's very understandable why I would respond in that way. <laughs> or it's very under, <laughs> understandable, even why I'm, you know, I don't know, eating that cheese yeah. sandwich you know like that's that's my brain trying to look after me and um hmm. yeah. if i can understand <laughs> that then maybe that the layers of shame and yeah or aggression uh, or the yeah. or the wonderful mixture of the two uh, don't have to be um so intertwined anyway that was just a slight overshare from me in response to you <laughs> about cheese sandwiches but um no, I feel like it's sandwich. <laughs> um and, and i know why because you put that up exactly it's all part of my great plan to get everyone onto them um in terms of one of the things we're thinking about at the moment as we're working our way through some of these conversations we've been having is how our lives kind of aren't these islands, but they inter we intersect with one another. And so as we're negotiating our own experience of, of mental wellness, mental health, uh, and, and the varieties, and, it, and it's not just the people who have, you know, chronic clinical, you know, depression or, or whatever it might be, but, but all of us are, are dealing with the ups and downs of our, of our health every day to various degrees. Um, but we're not doing that kind of an isolation, although we're in isolation in some form at the moment. But, you know, we, we, these, these are interconnected with our relationships with other people. Um, so kind of wondering, I guess, how you think about um, perhaps the impact or the intersection of, like, so my mental health and wellness um, and how that can impact on those relationships that are they're kind of close, especially those ones that are, that are close to me, perhaps. Yeah. And maybe vice versa, you know, what are the kind of positive and negative flows where those two things intersect? Yeah, and I I think they're deeply intertwined. Mm. Like, like everything, you know, it's it's not an either or, it's, a, it's an and, you know, a plus and. And the intertwining um, of mental wellness issues can be, it can either spiral up or it can spiral down depending on how well we are and how we're going to handle this stuff. Mm. So unfortunately, if we, if, I mean, it's easy to jump to the, to the negative side because it's so clear, but, you know, if somebody who's already feeling fragile, overwhelmed and, and you know, mentally um, a little bit on the wobbly side is starting to uh, feel, if someone's feeling they're going to be in fight, flight, freeze or fawn mode. So they're going to be either aggressive running away telling you absolutely nothing or just saying all the things to to try and placate you and immediately you're going to have a situation where you're no longer dealing with that person as their best healthy functional self mm. so if you imagine in a relationship so you're talking to someone who's uh at to some degree broken or slightly dysfunctioning in that moment mm. and expecting solid normal reasonable healthy behavior mm. and so they come back <laughs> so you come in with rah, rah, and then they come back with, rah, 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 you know yeah. and then and then it just becomes again so if the other person um is not able to understand that see that uh connect with what's going on then they're just going to escalate so if one's coming aggressive the other one's going to either come in more aggressive or they're going to go away and so you're going to have 
almost like a layered effect. So one person's mental health, uh, mental well-being is going to affect others mm. hugely because they're not going to be their normal, reasonable, rational self. Yeah. Um, and so that's the downside. The upside is if we can be a lot more transparent and a lot more open about that, we can defuse those situations. So like we said at the beginning, these are just normal body reactions. But we've all probably felt at the moment um, we're on edge, mm. right? You know, you drive and there's like two cars on the road instead of one and then I'm like, there's traffic. <laughs> and we're, very, we're very right on the edge yeah. of overwhelm. And so when someone says something to you at home or, um, you know, th those feelings are going to be right there. So I think what we need to understand is that there's our own personal mental health um, has a huge impact on those around us. But if we take too much responsibility for that, that's also going to infringe on our mental health mm. and give us too much stress. So it's always this balance of going, I need to care for me, but I also need to care for us. So if we're in family, we're in whānau, we're in a relationship, however we are, I need to look after myself, but I also do need to nurture and care for the relationship that is going on between us. And then if the person on the other side can also learn to do the same, then we can kind of work with that yeah yeah that's um i think really helpful and, and as yeah because in those moments of well whatever is whatever is putting us into that space actually of fight flight freeze what was the fourth fawn i haven't that's a new fawn, one for yeah. me that's new a new one, one for it me. Is a new one. so fawn is the classic if you negative once again giving a negative example but they're easy to use um would be in an abusive relationship you know oh in, in a domestic violence oh it's okay oh look I'll just do anything. Right. If someone's got a gun to your head, you will say anything mm. to get you out of that situation. Mm. Oh, no, darling. Oh, no, it's okay. It's okay. I, I really love you. You know, and that sort of thing. So it's mm. it's not genuine, but it's it's a desperate need for safety. Right. In the yeah. Yeah. Um, and kind of whatever's put us into that state, um, it does feel like, <laughs> it does feel like that, um, if we don't have a, an understanding of what's happening to us or to or to our friend or to our partner or to whoever it might be or our child or then to us, um, then then we can start to attribute layers of of blame and and take up layers of aggression in ways that then yeah. exacerbate the whole situation. Um, well, we take we take very personally mm. what is just a really reasonable body response. Right. So I'm going to give you. I've got a little sign. Right in front of me here. Yes. Are you ready for a sign? I'm so ready for a sign. Did you pray for a sign, Michael? Because you're going to get one. <laughs> All right. God has given me a sign. If you're God. There you go. Stressed out. I, amen. <laughs> Stressed out brains are offline brains. And this is actually one of the, the fundamental things that I teach. So, so, Bob, I call it. Stressed out brains are offline brains. Right. And I think just... Mm. Just accepting that is, is incredibly powerful. So if you're looking at your kid, they're stressed out, they're offline. You're looking at your partner, you're talking to your dad, the stressed out brain's offline brain. So what that means is just in the moment when you need your brain, the this frontal lobe to be giving you rational, uh, reasonable, relational-based, problem-solving help, it's just gone offline. Mm. Like the most 
switched off because you are under that pressure. So just when you need it, it's not going to work. So <laughs> expecting, so expecting a pressured brain to be able to predict the outcome of its actions mm. is, is it's unreasonable. Mm. Now, as we become adults, we become more resilient to this stuff. So we can begin to override the offline. Right. We can begin to go, you know, because these can be excuses, right? People, because suddenly we're talking of the language of the abuser, you know, sure. you push my buttons, my stress out, I can't predict the, yeah. uh, you know, I just punch you because whatever. We, as adults, we have to learn to override mm. the offline. But we also, I think, need to remember that that's actually very, very normal. Mm. So mental wellness is reasonable universal and manageable mm. so they make a lot of sense we're all on the spectrum and there's lots of tools in the toolbox to work mm. with it but it takes time so as soon as we agree and understand that stressed out brains are offline brains we start to give ourselves and others a bit of grace yeah we start to go oh i i, I see that you know that reaction was not you mm. that wasn't happening you're just, you're just under a bit of pressure here. And so I think just being able to almost pull the, the reins off, we have such high expectations. Mm. People are like, oh, I can't understand why I'm I'm really forgetful at the moment. I'm like, <laughs> we're in a global pandemic. Yeah. Like, what, what do you expect? Mm. And I'm doing it to myself all the time, mm. you know, things fall through the cracks. And I'm like, oh, you idiot, you know. And then I'm thinking, no, so bold. <laughs> yeah. Stripped yeah, yeah. brains, offline brains, mine is not functioning uh as it would normally i don't know if it's you know it could just be menopause um but i'll, I'll go with pandemic but my, it's not functioning as it normally would and so i cannot expect it to continue to do so i can stop taking things so personally mm. when i have a bit more understanding of that and so you know thinking about our current moment there is mm. without you know diving into that too much i think um there is the sense that we're kind of all like, because often these these ebbs and flows are kind of going up and down for all of us all the time, but there is this kind of collective, like you were talking about before, we're all feeling a bit on edge. There's this kind yeah. of collective stress, collective yeah. kind of exhaustion, collect, you know, all, um, that's that's taking us all to that line. And then we're having to try and figure out how we negotiate community again and our intersections with each other while we're all feeling like that. And so perhaps <clears throat> that gives us some insight as to why maybe that's a bit complicated. <laughs> Why everyone's acting like a bunch of morons. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I held myself very nice of so, People are difficult, right? Yeah. They're, they're hard work. And yeah. I'll tell a little story that I think illustrates this beautifully. I was teaching um, at a beautiful school in West Auckland, Oxymoron. No, it's actually a really nice school in West Auckland. <laughs> and um, this little boy came up to me. I was on duty and he comes up and he goes, Thomas threw a rock at my head and he was really upset. And, you know, I was like, oh, my little heart's breaking. And I was like, okay, buddy, let's take you and find, you know, what happened. Let's find Thomas and get him, you know. And and I, as we walked along, I was making conversation and I said, where did Thomas get the rock? And he said, he found it in the friendship garden. <laughs> so I was like, oh, dear. So he took me to this little place <laughs> and there's a wooden seat in a little garden and the whole point is, if you don't have any friends, you're going to sit on the seat and someone will come and be your friend. So he went along, sat on the seat, and instead of getting a friend, Thomas threw a rock at his head across the bushes. So I'm like, he's never going back to that seat, right? 
but anyway, there's one more thing that makes it even worse. We looked around and we found the actual rock and it was one of those little hand painted, you know, people mm-hmm. write little things on rocks and it literally said, be kind to others. Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> Dude, this is called friendly fire. And I think, you know, at the moment we feel like we're in spaces where we should be safe. We're sitting on chairs where people should be being nice to us and we're mm. in New Zealand and we're not like this. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're surrounded by the ones we love, but we still get rocks thrown at our heads at times and it's just life we've got Mm. to learn to you know can't take every rock personally Mm -hmm. (laughs) um in terms of um before you were starting to talk about like being forgetful for example um what (laughs) what do you see as some of like the signals for us or the signs to look out for that that just give us a sense that oh i need to pay attention to what's going on for me right now or for someone i love Great question, yeah. So the language that I put around this is the language of the wobbly point. Mm -hmm. So I love that the idea of using the wobbly point and introducing, because one of the ways of getting around that stressed out brain being offline is having agreed language. So when you go and do a course or something, the first thing you always do is you have like a, a list of, you know, terms of, of that we're going to agree on. So we go and do a landscaping course. I'm like, right, Michael, this is a spade. You know, this is, okay, we're all going to agree. When I say spade, I mean this. And having some agreed language around our mental health means that on the, on the good days, we can practice using that language. And then on the tough days, we've got words that we can grab for. I actually call these grabbable words. Words that we can grab for easily when we are feeling that, you know, overwhelmed. Mm. And one of them, word of the wobbly point. So being able to just say to someone, I am a bit wobbly, it's kind of funny, it's a bit fun, saying to someone, oh, you, you look a bit wobbly today, you know, and have it, oh, you've reached your wobbly point, make these jokes about it. Um, but the idea being that you can start to have a conversation around what does your wobbly point look like? Mm. What does it feel like? Mm. And those things are based around, we're looking for difference. So we're looking for change. So if someone's very um, talkative and very outgoing and then they are under pressure, stuff's going on and they go very quiet, that's the change that we're looking for. Right. So they're normally, you know, so so saying, oh, you know, a depressed person is going to be very emotional doesn't work because they might always be emotional. Mm. They just might be their sort of modus operandi. Yeah. What we're looking for is change. Right. And so someone who suddenly gets really uh, hypo, really excitable, really wound up, I get, I'm in high anxiety, I'm quite manic, and I'm really high functioning. Mm. What you'd be thinking is, wow, she is just ruling the world at the moment. What you don't know is I'm pacing the floor at two o'clock in the morning Mm. because my brain will not switch off. So you're looking for changes. So the the lazy sloth that is me (laughs) is suddenly achieving things, and now we have a problem. So we're looking (laughs) for something's not quite functioning in your normal sphere Mm. and extremely out of that. So a way that you can tell that you've reached your wobbly point is is a significant change um and it always it, it never hurts to ask the question right mm. i've noticed that you're spending a lot more time in your room is that just normal is that a, a you know is that normal are you feeling a little bit wobbly mm. and using words and language like that means that i don't need to know why what how what you have for dinner what your mum said when you were seven we don't need a psychotherapy session mm. all i need to know is that you're not quite right and then I will treat you quite differently. Mm. So I came into a conversation and you're like, 
I'm yeah, just feeling a bit wobbly today. I will treat you with a bit of care and a bit of caution. Yeah. And then I can also say to you, I've noticed, you know, you've got a big week. It's quite possible by the time you get to Friday, you're going to hit your wobbly point. Mm-hmm. Let's make sure Friday night's a full night off for you and mm. Saturday we've got something fun to look forward to. So mm. you can start to use that. Mm. Um, use that kind of language around you because that feeling of overwhelm will come in fairly predictable patterns and mm. cycles, right? We all kind of know. Yeah. So I guess I'll ask you the question, how would you know that you are reaching your wobbly point where you kind of need to? So like I'm a very good sleeper normally. Yeah. Um, so I don't have problems sleeping, which is a blessing because um, I know a lot of people do. But yes, when I find myself not being able to sleep, that's like a big flashing light for me. Um, mm. because that's unusual. Mm. Um, or yeah, if I so if I, and if I feel, um, because my normal state is quite calm, so if I feel internally like agitated, or or wound up, um, then then I know that's that's unusual. I find it hard to concentrate, stuff like that. You know, like that that yeah. that for yeah, me yeah. is yeah out, outside of my normal kind of parameters for yeah. how I normally how I normally function and I think the idea is so helpful of having some language having some like curious questions for, for one another rather than launching straight into the why are you you know um or yeah. I'm sick and tired of you not talking back or <laughs> going off to your room <laughs> yeah. uh, or whatever it might yeah. be you know in the in the relationship being able to ask the question and Hannah my yeah. partner's very good at that like I've, so yeah. I've noticed that you are um yeah, yeah. And that, that word there, noticing, yeah. it's actually noticing, noticing in yourself and noticing in others and removing yourself from it. And this is not, I'm not being attacked here. Mm. We're curious, we're noticing. Yeah. Um, and we're actually, one of the things I get people to do, and these are great with kids, but actually I've, people have loved this. I've got a little, I do this little card, but it's called having a jelly buddy. Mm-hmm. And so the jelly buddy is somebody that you have so on the good days we plan and practice so on the rough days we've got this stuff all ready to go like on a rough day you're not going to be like now who can I make friends with today who mm. I could you know it's not going to happen I'm just there in the headlights so having someone in advance and I get people to think about who could be maybe only one or two people that you would trust and the jelly buddy means I'll let you know if I'm feeling wobbly but I also give you permission to speak into my world mm. if you're noticing that as well right. and we yeah. have an agreement so those people are the ones so you know that you, we've agreed in advance that you can check in hang out and get help if you needed to come around here pick me up and take me to the doctor oh, you've got a little card to prove it you know that in advance and mm. hopefully it doesn't get to that but we often wait well we we always wait let's be honest until the crisis moment mm. And we don't make a plan. We've got pet insurance, we've got car insurance, we've got house insurance, we've got a first aid kit, we've got everything in place, and we've got no plans for what to do mm. when your brain is offline, mm. just at the point that you need it. Mm. So you need to yeah, yeah, it's so good. Um, because, like you say, when your brain is offline, if you don't have some things to immediate to, to like reach for without having to do a whole lot of mental gymnastics to get there, then you're just yeah. not you're not going to be able to. Um, or having the language, like agreed language like that, so helpful because 
again, a lot of people, mm. when they start to feel that way, don't know what to say or how to communicate it. Um, some, for some people that, that element of lightness or, or kind of slightly amusing language as well, just takes the kind of heaviness away from it so that I don't have to say. Um, not so scary. Um, yeah. It's not yeah. so scary. That's right. It's, it's. I'm really having yeah. a psychological. Yeah. Path. You know, it's all but much. Yeah, like, rather yeah. than having to say I'm having a total breakdown and my, you know, life is entirely falling apart, which, you know, sometimes it can get there and that's okay too. But, um, having some language that we can use between kind of when we feel normal, uh, and, and right at the end, you, some language for in between is I think really important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. and as we're talking about this, I think a lot of this is related to kind of how we hold space for each other in these moments, mm -hmm. how we kind of care for each other actually. Um, and, uh, do you have any more thoughts perhaps about how we best to do that? How we best care? I think we've already touched on a number as we've kind of gone yeah. along. But is there anything else? You, yeah. Is there well, anything else you want to say about that? Having, having those discussions around what the wobbly point looks like and feels mm -hmm. like for you. And then the question of what could you do for me? Mm. Because we often assume based on our own experience. So I'd be like, right, well, I've, you know, I've arrived at work and, and Michael's, clearly under stress and pressure and he's looking a bit wobbly. So I assume what I like when that happens is I like people to bring me cupcakes and give me a, a pat on the head or, you know what I mean? Or mm -hmm. I really like this to happen. And so like the classic love language, we go and speak in the language of which we mm. like. So and sorry, now if I'm putting myself in Michael's shoes, um, I know he would really like a X, Y, Z. He'd and love 20 he, people to, to oh, come around him and pop party More. poppers and, what he needs is to be shaken out of this. Yeah, yeah, he, needs, yeah. he needs hours of vigorous prayer. Yeah, and so we that whatever works for us yeah. is going to be great for this person. And then we get this, oh, I know how you feel, because I felt like that last mm, week and I mm. did that. And while we do have, uh, you know, there's similarities, obviously, mm. and sometimes I will be talking to someone and I'm like, totally hear you, I totally get it. But what works for me is not going to be what works for you. So I think it's actually having those pre-conversations. What is it? What am I looking out for? So first of all, agreeing that I have the permission to be that person for you. So I go, right, you know, you're, you're my jelly buddy. I, I've, I will tell you, I will promise I'll tell you. And if I don't, you're allowed to pull me up on it. And go, mm. why didn't you say something? And also, if I can't tell, because it's in my head, right, that's the challenge. I give you permission to step into my world and do that. Mm. But what does it look like? And how is that feeling for you? And what do you want? And when I say, uh, you know, how are you? And I and you say, well, I'm fine. Let's agree on what I can do next. Because mm -hmm. I know you're not. Mm. Yeah. So can I just turn up? Yeah, actually, you can mm. turn up. And, and what would you want me to do in that situation? Even if you said no, you know, so it's a little bit, there's a way you've got to have trusted people, right? But having some conversations and actually going, um, making that plan in advance, I think is really super important. Yeah. And then in that moment, understanding that what is going on is actually not aimed and directed at you. It's actually not about you in that moment. Mm -hmm. If you if they'd broken their leg and they were halfway down the back path crying and screaming in pain and you came over and it'd be like, Oh, look at your leg, you know, they'd be like, Shut up, don't touch my leg, you know, and we'd yeah. all be doing all the right thing. And so we would be very and in that moment it's all about the patient. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, what can I bring you? Can I get you patted on? We call in the ambulance or whatever. And so in those moments we've got to we've got to be allowed to take turns to hold one another's hands mm -hmm. up. 
And so Michael and I both deal with, um, he's had burnout and depression. I deal with depression and anxiety. We have both had time. <laughs> so we take turns at being the crazy person. Um, <laughs> mercifully, it's never happened extremely at the same time. Although sometimes this year I had a really deep dive of anxiety. And after a while, I see that impact of that mm. having on him. Mm. And I'm getting better, but I'm starting to see him mm. burn out trying to help me mm. and that's where we've got to pull other people in right um so yeah we've we've both had times where we have literally sat in the doctor's office with the other person and so if it's been me going oh I'm okay and him going she's not you know mm. and actually stepping in and being that support person yeah. for the other and being able to say to somebody else this is not her normal mm. what you're seeing here is not you know is not the normal person mm. so I think just and that's love, right? That's relationship. That's at some level just going, it's just not going to be about me today. I'm going to put myself into the role of caretaker. And if both of us need caretakers, then we're both going to need to, um, you know, step out. Mm. And the thing I did find this year is I just told everybody straight away. Mm. Soon as I hit the wall, I was like, I just told everyone. It's like, ah. Eh. Yeah. Everyone expects me to be crazy anyway. But it's funny how by being honest and open about it, it meant it was so much easier for me to say. And nobody was surprised. And I just felt um, like I could really quickly put those things mm. in, into play as I went along. Mm. Awesome. Mm. Um, we talked a little bit earlier about some of the um, Christian uh, baggage that we can layer on to these experiences for ourselves um what about a positive way in which our spirituality and faith can help us navigate some of this um i think the embodiment actually something about embracing the fact that this is not a mistake this is not like a fault and i, I know earlier on i used the term uh you know dysfunctional problem but most of the time it's just your body just being it's just doing its thing. And actually, I think from a spiritual perspective, the sooner we can just learn to live at peace with that. We learn to live at peace with our physical body. We learn to live at peace with our mental body, which is our physical body. Mm. And, and the sooner we can just find a sense of acceptance, of peace, of contemplative, of love, you know, just going from this warfare feeling to just this contemplative um mindful meditative prayer that mm. just goes yeah my brain is actually pretty amazing and it's really doing its best here and I think from a spiritual point of view what the, the beauty of it is that all of those spiritual practices will help calm the central nervous system down mm. Mm. so they are they're wonderful that they're, they're um, gosh as we've sort of deconstructed you know you start to wonder what what's magical thinking what's superstitious thinking and what is actually spiritual and you know i think mm -hmm. we're all on that journey of figuring out <laughs> yeah. i'm still figuring out these things and sometimes things will happen and i'm like is that really or whatever but i'm like you know what if if um standing and putting my feet on the grass and praying also lowers my heart rate and brings my central nervous system and if quiet prayer also activates the vagus nerve which runs from your brain down into your 
um, digestive system, you know, <laughs> if all these things work because of science, bonus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. so the spiritual what the spiritual practices um, are science practices, and they they do work really really well. And I think we need to enjoy the fact that we have been brought up with what have been sometimes um you know misinformed or we've, some of us have done them for the wrong reasons or we've, we've done all these things you know but actually stopping praying reading quietening taking time they're all really good for you mm. so yeah and so i think what we have probably got um is practice of that a uh we prioritize some of those things i don't know too many people today who have been told to every day have a quiet time and yet we were brought up with mm -hmm. go and have a quiet time and now we're trying to teach ourselves how to have some time of quiet right yeah some time where we switch off and mm. we we defuse and we go down and for me, quiet time meant, you know, Bible reading and prayer, and it was all very mixed in with um, shame and guilt mm, yeah. <laughs> of how, how long it was since you've had your last quiet time. Yes. You know, it was very much. Um, Every quiet regular. time for me began with an apology. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I haven't Good been doing Lord, this as much as I <laughs> <laughs> Like every diary entry, right? Yeah, yeah. It's been too long since I wrote in my diary. Um, but yeah, there's there's some real beauty in those practices. Mm, and mm. I think as I've gone along and I've discovered how some of the things it's like finding out that an old wives' tale has scientific backing. And you're like, Oh, mum, while she had no idea, she was onto something. Mm. And I quite cool. And I think in our faith practices, what we're discovering is that they are scientifically and psychologically and physiologically uh, really valid mm. and so putting them in and they feel lovely chucking on the music that you love putting on you know and if that's worshipful if that's um, or transcendent or uplifting in any way those things are going to really help mm. and you know we're creatures of habit we love things that feel like they are habitual and rhythmic mm. Right, so one other thing I will throw in there to remember, so we've had stressed out brains or offline brains, is that your brain is an energy-hungry monster. It's 2% of your body weight, uses 20% of your energy, and it will do anything to save energy. It will find a shortcut wherever it goes. So habits are like heroin. Right. Anything that right. where it can just take an easy path, take an easy route, we're talking about the cheese sandwich, any time <laughs> where your brain falls into a habit, it's yeah. just like, oh, Finally, oh yes, right, I've got that. Um, out of that comes, um, you know, all the isms, uh, yes. you know, the racisms and, and prejudice all come from this because your brain's like, I know that person, mm. you know, oh, yeah, I've met a man before, here's another one, he's just mm. like that one. Mm. And it does all those things. So understanding that your brain is looking for habits and patterns, but instead of fighting that, embracing that and going, your brain loves habits. Mm loves patterns so create some calming habits and patterns go with that um, you know we spend a lot of time fighting against that so let's just go with the good stuff and hope that the bad stuff will, or you know the, the stressful stuff will begin to go down so creating patterns and rhythms and liturgical 
uh, you know, mm. around what we do. It feels safe. It feels um, calming, but it also is giving your brain a break. You're literally going to be kind to your mind with it. It's um, oh, such an important conversation for lots of reasons, I think. Um, and even thinking about many of us who have had to um, maybe peel apart some of the ways we did things or the or the kind of the drivers behind some of the things that we did when we were in our earlier or our, you know at some points in our in our lives of faith um but sometimes we find ourselves then just in the general kind of vague sort of amorphous spirituality without the rituals and the practices and the habits that can be those kind of grounding and very quick access points to a sense of calm and, and wholeness uh, and so I think reforming some of those in healthy ways for some of us would would be a very is a, is a very good thing to do um, yeah. and and our role then as a community perhaps as a church community as a faith community is to or at least a part of that is to actually help cultivate that for each other I know that when I wander into a church gathering I'm gonna some of that is just gonna start to happen just because I'm there Right, and and some of those rituals and practices that that ground me are just going to start to unfold by virtue of the fact that I've found myself in this space uh, that I might not have done if I'd just gone for a walk around the block. Um, yeah, uh, are there as as kind of a final question, perhaps here then, um, are there other ways in which, as a community, as a faith community, as a as a church community of people who who you know we we live in, uh, obviously the last few months has not been. Um, Gathering has not been high on the uh, possibility agenda, but but we are a community that is in part defined by our by our gathering together, um, especially across a big city. Uh, are there are there ways you think about how we can hold space for each other, how we can create a community, um, not just in like the gathering, but how we can cre create a community or cultivate a community where we look after each other well. Yeah, and I like. I actually think we do. I, mm. I think we do be great. And I think um, well, it will certainly our heart and our intention is to do that. I know um, I can't speak for everybody, but one of the things is, is what we say and actually the language that we use. And when we open conversations and we talk openly about our well-being and about our mental health, then people feel free and you know have had permission to talk mm. about that mm. and I think um when my kids were little we'd have a little saying you know say, in our family we so people like well how come they get to stay up all night well in our family we mm -hmm. prioritize sleep <laughs> you know yeah. and so to say well in, in our in our community in our community we speak openly about our mental health mm. and I think by having that as a value um and one of the the strongest ways to do that is for that to be done from, I want to say the front, but we don't have a front, done from the centre, mm -hmm. um, done done from those who have any voice or any platform, and I love the fact that we have a very egalitarian mm. um, way of doing that. So, but yeah, so when we walk into church, the language of health and well-being, the language of um, it's no big deal to say, you know, How's, how's your mental health or, um, you know, what, what, what's up? It's no big mm. deal for that to be dropped into messages. It's no big deal mm. for us to be having this conversation. It's mm. not like once a year we go, right, we're now going to talk about mental health and then next week we're not. It's just part of mm. our every 
day. And then within that, the things that support robust mental health, like physical fitness and nutrition and sleep and, you know, addressing addictions and, and or faith, whānau, fullness, philanthropy, pharmaceuticals, um, <laughs> Fullness, <laughs> these are all the things I teach about, uh, forward focus. <laughs> um, all, all of these things then being given voice. So we don't just come to church community to hear about the spiritual side. Obviously, we, that's what we're there for, right? So we don't want to pretend that's not happening. But we're also there to encourage one another in caring for our bodies, caring for um, our things like finance. Financial stress is hugely connected. Mm. to um, you know to how we're feeling we're in fight flight or freeze mode immediately if, mm. if we can't pay our bill right like nothing else really matters at that point so actually helping people but being honest that someone could come in the door or the virtual door or any door and actually say yeah I'm this this is hard for me at the moment or this is great for me at the moment I've I've gotten this cool you know I joined the gym and I'm feeling great or or I've been going for a walk in the garden and I feel good and so that language of mental health being just common mm. totally commonplace and uh, that creates those habits so that when we do have tough times you could say to anyone in the church yeah I had a bit of a wobbly week you know and they're like what can I do can I mm. bring you a cupcake um so I just think openness mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a one-size-fits-all, but it's not going to fit anybody if we're not going to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> so good. And uh, I think uh, a good both encouragement and an invitation about the kind of community I think that we are, but also that we continue to hope to be. Um, so that's awesome. Thank you so much, Julia, for this conversation. It's been rich and uh, has given me a few things to go and uh, ponder. This, uh, this afternoon uh, as I <laughs> contemplate my life. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Total pleasure.